coming up. Today on the Financial Food Fight Square and Match Go Public, which would you rather own? Would you rather own either of them? And an idiot loses a lot of money day trading and wants you to subsidize his naked shorting habit. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Everything you need to know about money and the markets, and then some. Now, from New York, Financial Food Fight. Hello, everybody. Paul Vigna here, ready to throw, sling some hash, as it were. Joined today by Maureen Farrell, my compatriot on the Money Beat blog, Chuck Jaffe from Market Watch, calling in from Boston, and Ben Levison from Barron's right next to me here. Uh, okay, folks, these are, your, these are your, your topics. These are the topics of the food fight that we could talk about, uh, as always, from Twitter Moments. Uh, Troy A. Sivan talks new album and nail painting. Okay, I've never even heard of that man. Uh, Adele's 25 finally arrives. Hmm. Uh, when your dad loves teen pop as much as you. Hmm. Or, uh, well, let's see. We could talk about uh, Square and Match and their IPOs. What, what if you we guys... talk about Adele, we're going to all start crying a little bit. Our songs really move Are move they really moving? Are, are, they, are they more moving than uh, Square's IPO? Um... <laughs> that's a that's a very good question. Cause, really, uh, I think they get you down but make you happy at the same time, Adele. But Square's IPO just you know it priced down, but it shot straight up yesterday. Very nice. <laughs> and they're both exactly like an Adele song. It, it was started out down, and then at least at the end, you got some feel good out of it. Wow, <laughs> you got, I'm very, I'm impressed by this today. It's heavy on sacrifice, but it's... full of uplift. <laughs> <laughs> So, so Square goes public, uh, Jack Dorsey's other company. They priced it lower, and everybody, I think, was kind of – it seemed like there was a lot of consternation about that. And then the thing trades, and it went wild on the first day of trading. Today, I, was, I just looked before we just came up into the studio. It's flat basically today. But that first day, I mean, it got the first day pop. It did, get, it did get their first day pop. It came at a big expense. I mean, we saw it yesterday. It was one of the first – tech IPOs in 14 years to price in single digits. Wow. And it also priced below its last two private rounds. So not even the last one, which was around $15. It was even the one before that, which was $11. So, I mean, the big, one big takeaway from this IPO is what this means for the really hot private markets. You know, is there going to be a whole rethinking of how these companies are valued? Um, but it, as you said, it did get the pop. I mean, that should make some investors happy. Right, right. Certainly um, ones who managed to get in and out yesterday <laughs> with their earnings. There's a real question here, which is we know that pop is manufactured. I mean, IPO, you recognize, stands for it's probably overpriced. So, so you've got the fact that they came out at a lower price almost to make the pop happen. And so that begs that question about, well, if we're going to see other IPOs, what are they going to have to do to make a pop? Because at this point, an IPO without a pop is considered a failure, even though the pop is not what anyone other than the underwriters cares about. Yeah, I mean, this one was a kind of amazing because even with the pop, it just ended up just slightly above the original range for the stock that they were aiming for. So, it, I mean, it was like, yeah, you have this pop, but to what? I mean, it was what they wanted. Um, in some ways, it was the opposite of what uh, Facebook did all those years ago when, uh, right, when right, Facebook right. came out way too way too expensive and just went straight down. And Facebook went out and tried to raise as much money as they possibly could and raised – I forget offhand what the number was, but I mean they raised a lot of money 
and they weren't really too concerned about the, the, the share price. And I guess that, that's one question. And we should talk about Match, too. You know, what does a company want to get out of a, a public offering? What do investors want to get out of a public or What do the early investors need to get out of a public offering? I mean, in what sense was this a success? And in what sense did this really change nothing for Square? I mean, they got less money than they would have had they priced at 11 to $13 mm-hmm. a share, their original range. So I guess in, for sure, in that sense, it's a you know, a failure of sorts. And then the the private investors, um, they have a special clause, which they got more money back because it priced under their range, which is a whole n- hmm. another new quirk. But, um, I mean, the question is, I think there's just been a lot more paranoia in the wake of Facebook about overdoing it. And, you know, you could say Facebook raised as much money and ultimately investors, if you hung on, you've done really well on the stock. But it did distract them for a good I mean, there were months and months and months where that was all anyone talked about. I mean, you have to think it, to a certain extent, just ate up a lot of management's time. I can't see a compelling reason to have expected a huge pop out of Square. I understand what it does, and I understand the technology, but does anybody actually believe that this is not technology that's copyable, that you can't have? I mean, if if you think that, great, this is groundbreaking, revolutionary technology, I always point back to the days of the beginning of the personal computer. And remember that everybody then was all excited about the pop that they were able to get when Wang Labs and Prime Computer went public, because <laughs> they were sure that those were going to be the companies. Right, right. You know, you can be an early adopter of Square. I'm not sure that five years from now, Square is going to be the one. Well, and that, that raises an interesting question, Chuck, and I want everyone to, to, to weigh in on this. Not that we are investors. We are reporters. We don't own these stocks, folks. You know, don't get mixed up. But I, I, I just want to get our, you know, get the, 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 the pod's opinion. So you have these two IPOs. You have Square and you have Match. Relatively household names. They both, you know, are out there. You, you probably know what they are. Which one do you think has more staying power? Which one do you think you would rather be invested in? Or do either of them? I mean, maybe the answer is neither. <laughs> It's a tough. It's a tough call for really both of them. I mean, Chuck, I think you make a good point that they, you, if you've walked into a local small business, maybe you've swiped your card in a square, but maybe you've used a few other different uh, different offerings. Um, I haven't been on, <laughs> never online dated, but it seems <laughs> from some reports I read yesterday, there are lots of new options popping up. And well, let me point out, as somebody who who went through a surprise divorce that ended this year and put me in the online dating world. Ooh, sorry, I'd like to point out that I tried one of the Match sites, one of, one of the sites run by Match, but the person who I am dating and have now been seeing for a while, I met on a free site. And so, you know, that experience tells me that, uh, you know, it, it, it's not that Match doesn't have a huge following, because it does, but it also has plenty of people who drop off all the time and are going to competitors that... You know, again, if, if somebody else is competing with you for free and and can do that, you don't have a lot of moat to your business. You don't have a lot of protection that's going to help you. So as long as they're doing well, fine. But the minute that they have any sort of problem, if they have a credit card-taking problem, since we're talking about them with Square, they yeah. do, you know, hey, we have a uh, some sort of a data breach. 
Forget about it. They're done. Yeah, one of my best friends actually uh, was on match trying to find someone, and he ended up meeting his wife. Um, she was carrying a desk down the streets, and he just said, can I help you? And they got married. So I, I'm not a, I don't think I'm a big fan of either of these. That if that's, I a, my, that's a wonderful story. It was a wonderful <laughs> story. He had war, the best, that's a uh, heartwarming story. You know, he's <laughs> had the, the best headline. It was a successful stock trader seeks new kind of equity um, for his match um, for yeah. his match profile. And, like, and that didn't work. You know, it brought out tons of people, but not the kind that he wanted. Um, but even within the two sites, I mean, what, what you said is the um, Tinder is mostly free. And there was yeah. a report out there that basically that's like their growth engine. It's largely, largely free. They have a paid subscription to it also, some sort of service. But the more they grow that, it kind of can, potentially cannibalizes the rest of the business that should generate more revenue. They don't They don't separate them. But... I mean, even just within its whole corporate structure, those issues play out, not even just with competitors. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's wrap this up. Let's take a quick break. We'll all go update our, our match profiles, which we don't have. <laughs> Honey, I don't have a match profile. I'm only kidding. Uh, we'll be back in just one second. When you're commuting, tune out all the noise and tune into the news you need to know. WSJ Podcasts. Listen where you want. When you want. Now, Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal from New York. Financial food fight. Uh, this next segment this next segment definitely falls under the and then some category. Paul Vigna, Ben Levison, Maureen Farrell, and Chuck Jaffe. So this week, if you're one of those uh, crowdfunding types, you like to go on the sites and you've got a lot of money out there and you're looking to just crowd uh, support some unusual causes, there was an extremely unusual cause a gentleman who had an account at E-Trade and was, you know, was day trading in the market, went to bed. And I think, uh, Chuck, you, you might even have better details. But basically, the guy had a position in a stock. He walked away from his account one day. And then after the closing bell, went back to it and found out that he was $130,000 in the hole because the, the bet had gone against him. And E-Trade hadn't put any stops in. And he was... Uh, to to use a uh, technical use, use a little technical jargon here, he was screwed. So he goes to to he goes online and he tries to crowdfund. He tries to get money for his, to pay his bill to E Trade. Yeah, and he did get money. He the, the, there's a lot here that doesn't add up. I mean, the truth is, in order to do this, he apparently was naked shorting. Now, for those who don't understand a naked short, normally. If you short a stock, you're betting against the stock, and you go off and you, you buy the shares, you borrow the shares from somebody so that you can sell them right now. You basically are able to sell them. And then when the stock goes down, you buy the shares back, you give them back to the person you borrowed them from, and you keep the difference. Right? That's how shorting right. works. Well, in a naked short, you're basically sort of without the shares. It's a very odd sort of thing. The numbers, as I looked at it, I wasn't sure that the numbers worked out, and I'm not sure that anybody's given it enough credit to go, okay, really? Because he lost enough that he supposedly had $106,000 debt, but his GoFundMe plea was looking to raise five grand, which, by the way, he has now raised and he's taken it down. And although he says, hey, I'll post everything when I've got it, who the heck knows? He's under no obligation right. to actually do any. He can go up and you know buy his Christmas presents if he wants to right. at this point. And, There's and, no obligation to do it. So, I mean, to me... Uh, I, the whole story is kind of in, incredible, and I, 
the people who gave him money, I don't understand yeah. what they were thinking. And, and you probably don't want to talk too early on in your match profile about naked shorting, but, but <laughs> I think that was from the, the previous segment. Uh, this raises so many questions about where you should put your money, how you should allocate your money, what represents smart use of your money. You're right, Chuck. I mean, first off, okay, naked shorting, extremely hazardous to your health. You know, you can find yourself in a big hole very quickly. Should only do it if you're really prepared to lose that money. And it's interesting. The guy said, well, yeah, I was prepared to lose my initial investment, but I didn't think it would go so far down because I didn't think I'd end up in a negative uh, equity position. That's an issue. And I didn't realize that E-Trade didn't have any sort of, uh, you know, blocks on something like that. I mean, were you all surprised by well, that? Yeah, I, is that true, Chuck, or is that guy just saying that? I don't know that, offhand. That's part of the story that doesn't entirely add up to me, right? because functionally, to be able to do what he thought he did, it was kind of like, wait, you should have been borrowing, you know, like 25 grand against a $37,000 account. The, the numbers didn't make sense to me, but I, did, I have to say I didn't dive into them enough to say for sure, but the whole story is kind of goofy. And, you know, let's remember that when you buy a stock long, so you're betting that the stock is going up, the maximum loss you have is everything. The stock goes bankrupt and you could lose everything. When a stock goes short, the maximum loss is infinite because you're borrowing shares, you're always going to have continuing interest costs and all those other sorts of things. So you can lose a heck of a lot more. So for him to say, well, I didn't think whatever, just stop with I didn't think. You don't need any other <laughs> explanations. He, period, didn't think, and then he requested the public to help bail him out. And again, I don't even understand the math there because he was asking for five grand, but he's got a debt of a hundred and right. Well, I just want to, I want to come out in defense. I want to come out in defense of shorting because it was uh, I used to do that um, way back when before I was a journalist. Yeah, it was interesting. I was a day trader, a couple of very small firms, and shorting was one way. I mean, it was a way I made a lot of my money. Except you knew, I mean, people. A stock. I mean, what we used to say is a stock could get too expensive to buy, but it never gets too cheap to sell. Um, and so you can make money very fast with a short, but you also have to be very careful with the short because you can have these kind of things mm-hmm. happen. I mean, there mm-hmm. are people who got stuck in you know short a stock when uh, you know the then the stock gets halted and there's some news and boom, it opens up and you've lost a lot of money. So you have to be a lot more careful with it. And clearly, I mean, if this guy was doing what he says he's doing, I mean. It's kind of moronic to be in a stock that's that volatile, where you know that there's um, that there's data that's going to come out, and we see with any biotech stock when they come out with data, if it's good, the stock pops; if it's bad, it goes down. You have to have an edge there, otherwise, you're going to get creamed. There's right. such like extreme momentum stocks. I mean, anyway, and that much more so recently. Yeah, I mean, we saw what was it? I mean, again, today, uh, Sarepta is up thirty uh, percent because Biomarin had some bad news from the FDA and. Boom! You know, there's there's a stock up. You got to know what you're doing with these things. Yeah, you gotta you gotta wear your big boy socks when you're gonna do some some shorting. But let's point out, the New York Stock Exchange said today that starting in February, it's no longer going to accept stop orders. And of course, stop orders are how you place a floor, or if you're a short seller, it's where you place a buy. Right? You you buy if a stock exceeds a certain price. In in most cases, people do it to create a floor. The Nasdaq has already barred stop orders. And this is really about sort of the ETF trades, but one of the ancillary unexpected potential consequences is how it's going to hurt a lot of individual investors who like to use stop orders as a way of protecting themselves. And it certainly is going to protect, you know, hurt anybody who's like this novice who goes up and does something stupid. Yeah. Are there 
So look, you have this issue of the markets themselves are risky. The capital market, the, the traditional capital markets are risky enough as they are. Then you have this entire world of, of online funding, all these new avenues for you to spend and lose your money. Uh, is it harder today to hold on to your money than it has ever been in the past? Or are these just kind of the same old I, same old risky things just packaged in, in some new shiny digital product? I mean, I think they're I think we have a lot more information and maybe yeah. things move faster, but I don't think it's any more risky. I mean, you used to see the, the same kind of thing in the days before high frequency trading and everything. The markets might have been there were because we were trading in 16th instead of in pennies. You would have more stock clustering in places, but you would still have a specialist halt the stock and trade it down 10 points if something, you know, if, the, if a big seller came in. And there was nothing you could do about that as, as you know, if you're in the stock at that time, you just had to wait it out and see what would happen. And that's, I think, what a lot of this does is for individuals, you just have to be patient. And I think in some ways not being able to place a stop order is a good thing because it do, forces you to know what the stock is. Do you have to be smarter? I mean, you talk about so much information out there. It's really hard to to. to Dis- discern through I'm not, I'm not coming up with the right word folks but you know what I mean it's harder to go through all that information do you have to be smarter you, you have to be smarter and you have to be I think a lot more patient with things yeah you have to know which race you're running. You know, That's it, a good way to put is, it. It's sort of like a track and field competition where you can be a sprinter, you can be a distance runner, etc. If you want to compete with the guys who are really fast, if you want to compete with the Flash Boys, you are in significant danger. You're mm-hmm. you know, basically doing things that are foolish, and your chances of winning that race are very, very slim. But if you want to go off and run the distance race and understand what you're going to get out of it and, and give up the glory that comes to being called the world's fastest human or what have you, then you go off and do it. So it's really decide which race you're running and then make sure you run that race and that you never go, oh, well, I'm suddenly just going to sprint for the next 100 yards because, you know, I heard something that makes me say run really hard right now. And we've, to be fair, I mean, in the last year, I mean, tell me if you all agree, but we've seen so many fewer market glitches. I mean, we were seeing some crazy things happen very somewhat regularly, it seemed like, between right, the night right. trading glitch and NASDAQ and Facebook. But, but do you need a glitch? I mean, we had, you know, it was only, what, 12 weeks ago that we saw the market move 1,000 points off the open in the morning? Right. But for if you were... If, I mean, if that's you, not a glitch. But if you look at that <laughs> and say, and, and don't freak out, that was an awesome buying opportunity. All you had to do was put in your order before the open, you get filled near the low... And now you'd be up, you know, 10, 15 percent on that position if you bought the uh, S&P 500 like a spider or something like that. Yeah, and I'm sure there are some people who did that. There are probably a lot more people who were in already at that time, lost. Certainly some panicked and sold, yeah. and some wrote it out, and they're basically where they yeah. were. Yeah. The reason for the elimination of stop orders is that there were a whole bunch of people who weren't prepared to panic but who had put in reasonable stop orders, mm. and in that sudden drop, the market crossed and stopped them out. Yeah. And so, you know, here's the problem where you added volatility and you have as an unintended consequence, you had people who had used it and thought they were doing something smart and they wound up being stopped out at the worst possible time. So that's why you have to sort of protect them from that. But again, that's protecting one set of investors and potentially hurting another. Yeah. All right. We are going to... uh we're getting stopped out, getting stopped out on the time. I want to thank everyone for listening. Chuck, Ben, Marine, myself, Paul Vigna, everyone, we will talk to you next week.